Butts Weekly only has one butt in it? <laughs> yep. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I... <laughs> Corpsing. Oh, I can't good. do it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> Sorry. I'm and, uh, Welcome to episode 140 of Video Games Hot Dog, the 140th episode of a podcast about video games and the men who love them. Like us. Kevin, come on. Sorry. Get it together, Kevin. I, I was fine the first take. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, hey, guys. How's it been? Pretty good. All right. You guys been uh, you guys been doing anything? We, it wasn't too long ago that we recorded our last show, so I, for one, have played literally zero video games. I didn't cool. even play the assignment. I was like, screw these clowns. Let's <laughs> uh, see. I I've been reading more of uh, S that. Uh, oh yeah, nice. the, J, the based on a based on a, a true story. Abrams <laughs> said once. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. It's um. It's it's super interesting trying to hold all of the story arcs and fragments in your yeah, head all at yeah. the same time. Trying to figure out based on the color where in time the footnote people are. Yeah, I like I don't know if I will be as into it when I'm when I'm finished, but I like the idea of going back and like actually figuring out you know, there're probably like 12-ish or 15-ish iterations of like barrages of notes that are written in the the things and like actually figuring out how that all happened and how those all oh so like the notes that people left to each other. so it is just a text but the notes that people left to each other in the margin could have been written on you don't encounter well, them in the order that they were written in yeah well you encounter them you know from because you're reading the book from front to back but there are like there were like a hundred notes written across the whole manuscript and then like you know 80 of those will have replies and then like there'll be hundred more notes and and other replies and things like that and like yeah it's like some stuff references things that you don't really know about until later like it's just it's it's it is super tricky to like just keep it all the narrative straight because you're, because there's the narrative of the book there's the sort of like meta narrative of the translator and how that fits into the the world of the the author or whatnot. And is this then like a nerd book? I mean, is it about spaceships or wizards or anything? No, or is it's it sort of. It's like it's a little. It's a little bit Illuminati conspiracy ish. Yeah, but not like not, not in a science fiction. Not magical, but not yeah, in a. No. So it's like yeah. a Dan. It's like a Dan Brown. Kind of, yeah, sure, but more interesting. It's based on that. an idea by Dan Brown. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Riff, are you also reading it? Uh, I have read it previously. I finished it. Did you like? Did you feel compelled when you finished it to go back and do more, or was it sort of wrapped up in your head? Um, I found the ending a little unsatisfying, and I feel like there's some stuff hidden that I didn't that I didn't piece together that would have improved that slightly. Yeah, um, I'm getting the sense that like there is there, more. I'm pretty uh, certain that there are some. Uh, like, I haven't investigated them, but I know that there are some associated websites that are oh, in fiction. Yeah? And there's, like, a huh. bunch of uh, codes and ciphers in the book. And the the footnote protagonists only work out some of them. And I'm pretty sure the, the ones oh. that they don't find are still actually in there. Interesting. But I, I, I haven't really delved in to that puzzly aspect of it to try and find any of that. I looked at the the one explicit uh, website URL that I've encountered, and it was not a real 
website. So well, it was also a .edu, so it would have been really hard for them to to acquire that in a fake thing. Because I think they're well, pretty. It was something at a real. It was like made up. It's like, a it's a know, made up college. Miskatonic. Yeah, it's Pollard Pollard State. <clears throat> Does Miskatonic.edu exist? That seems like a thing that somebody who actually had, had the authority some power. to make a thing mm, would be into probably. the idea. Of. I don't know. That'd be so, awesome. do you guys have this problem? I like I feel like this would happen to me if I ever tried to read House of Leaves instead of just borrowing it from Riff and never giving it back to him. <laughs> you um, can actually keep that coffee copy because there is a there is an anniversary edition that that uh, had some extra stuff in it that I bought. But I have like I read say John Hodgman's first book. The the oh uh All of Knowledge yeah, I forget what the actual name of the first one was. The one with the homo names in it. Right. Um, but then the second one, the way that it was organized made it so I couldn't... Like, whatever part of me that needs to keep track of whether I've done something or not... Like, if you had... If you handed me a book, and then in a postage stamp-sized corner of every page in the book, there was one word of another book, I would be compelled to read all of the postage stamp sized passages in, in one order go. Mm. so that I could then just read the book like a fucking book without feeling like I had forgotten to read something that was in one of the corners. And I could never, I could never escape that feeling about the second John Hodgman book because every page it had like a had sidebar like a TV listing or something in a sidebar yeah. and they were in a different place a lot of the time. And the, it was just not, it was a lot less organized, like a like an article or a book. It's more like a multiple personality was disorder it was book. Just, it was just <laughs> like a, it was like a bunch of newspapers, hmm. right? And you know, nobody. It is. That's, I think that's one of the things that's so difficult. Is in addition to these like layers of mystery and like unfolding story that like <clears throat> you have to read a section and then there'll be like something underlined, and so then you sort of dart off to the side and read a whole conversation tree. Not tree, but a whole conversation that two people have had o- over months, and then go but back. Then you skip back to the same place. Like yeah. maybe you screwed that up. And in as much as like in a video game, I like the idea of everyone's experience of it being kind of different, and people missing things, and people doing you know like like skipping over parts accidentally or on purpose that put a different context onto you know their memories of the experience or whatever but for whatever reason in a book it just drives me crazy and it just makes it so like i just kind of don't i am intimidated by the effort that i imagine it will take to read house of leaves not because i think that i'm not up to the task but because i think i won't enjoy it i don't think i know what house of leaves is riff uh, um huh well, okay, so there's a it's it's basically over it's overlapping stories, sort of like the way S is. You've got a story that is uh, about about this family where they discover that a hallway in their house uh, cannot possibly spatially exist within their house, and okay. and it leads into this this giant elaborate labyrinth labyrinth a labyrinth. Uh, underground that that they are exploring, and this story is related by um, the fact that they have been filming at their explorations of this house. So there's this documentary that the the homeowner has made and had been produced as a movie that that uh, that was you know released to the public. 
Okay. And so the what you're reading is a sort of scholarly dissertation about this movie. Wow. And this scholarly dissertation was discovered in the the home of the the old man who wrote it by this guy named Johnny Truant who is editing this dissertation together for publication and adding in all of his footnotes about his own life and his experiences in dealing with this project. I see. So it, it's just there's so many layers to this thing and and then things start cropping up like when Johnny Truant tries to go and find a copy of this movie he discovers that it doesn't exist. And and Whoa. just just huge like miles upon miles of different stories and different layers of footnotes because it's not just Johnny Truant's footnotes it's also the footnotes of the editor who is editing Johnny's manuscript <laughs> for the final publication in book form that you're reading Jeez. and it's it's really nuts i've never managed to get all the way through it because like because every time i see a footnote i feel compelled to you know to read through the the stack of footnotes relating to that page and it yeah you really it's it's a maze of a book really i think i need to go back and just read the straight text and ignore the footnotes like once and then try and go back and and do it again reading the footnotes with like a better grounded understanding but that's another thing that bothers me structurally is when a footnote spans more than one page like i would rather mm. there be one line of text followed by an almost full page footnote than two pages with half a page worth of continued footnote across both of them. do you ever have you ever read any books where the footnotes are all in the back of the book and you have to uh, like, oh, there's fucking the awful. i just point. don't read the footnotes yeah. in a book like that hmm. or i will just read all of them at the end and try to piece back like what the fuck they're talking about that's a, that's one case where having a, a hardcover book with a with a book cover is nice because you can just sort of keep two two places at the same time. I like the footnotes in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Infocom game. Mm, yeah, I don't remember how that worked. You just typed footnote X and it would give you the text of the footnote. And right. I think it might have been the case that. Well, there were a couple things that were certainly true. One is that there were footnotes that didn't ever get referenced, and so they would just say, you know, this this is not a real footnote. Um, But I want to say that part of the reason that they did that is because they could then, if they needed to put it on a system with less storage space, they could just print the footnotes Hmm. and then just have it say, consult this footnote. But I might be making that up. We'll we'll talk about that when we talk about our assignment, a similar-ish system. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was cool. Uh, well, what so have you a, been up to, Riff? Book you've been reading? If uh, anything, not much other than because it's only been like three days. I did some more cross stitching. Are you? Have you finished your last guy yet? No, I'm nearly done with the penultimate guy. That's still the robot with the bird on it. Uh, yeah, robot pink alligator bat thing. I'm not sure what it is. And you won't tell us cool. what the last thing is because it's a surprise. Nope. Yep. That's a surprise. You're gonna have to follow me at Rifflesby on Twitter to find out. I already follow you at Rifflesby on Twitter. Can we just go to minimumsafedistance dot earlier today? Something? You or, could. In fact, you could do that too. At Rifflesby on Twitter, you, you, and Gary Butterfield were making fun of Richard Garriott, and what? I won't have it. <laughs> I will not have it. I not was not in my house. 
Rifflesby at Rifflesby. <laughs> that wasn't me making fun of him. That was me saying I would I would pr- be willing to kiss his ring if his ring went to space because I'd like to kiss something that went to space. You could kiss his rat tail. <laughs> <laughs> at least part of it went to space. So you just want to kiss something that will eventually go to space? No, something that has been to space. But everything has been to space. Like, the Earth is in space right now. Yeah, just kiss kiss the ground. I don't know if that counts. Oh, you know what has been to space, Riff? My ass. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, also I, flows I saw, I saw that photograph. I got the latest issue. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, boy. Uh, well... Since uh, since none of us have done anything besides playing video games, have any of us played any video games? Uh, I've been playing um, the old uh, DS game Hotel Dusk. Are you guys familiar with that one? Mm-hmm. Isn't this the one that becomes a vampire game halfway through? No. <laughs> it turns into Hotel Dawn and everything. It's just... Ah, <laughs> oh, that would be so good. Uh, just a visual novel with the that. Conceit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are visual novels with the conceit of a twist in the middle where it... Well, no, 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 no. You know what the equivalent of that would be was like a visual novel that halfway through just turned into like a Tetris variant or something. (laughs) Just a huge genre shift halfway through. Right. I mean, it's kind of one note, right? You wouldn't be able to... Like, if somebody told you about it, you wouldn't really need to play it. Sure. Yeah, that's the problem with having, I don't know, crazy stunt twists like that in a video game is how do you... How do you Each keep one everybody needs to from good. finding out about it before they play it? Well, you make a game so obscure that almost no one plays it. Mm. Mm. But yeah, um, it's uh, for those that haven't heard about it, Hotel Dusk, it's basically a visual novel with some light uh, uh, point-and-click adventure stuff in it. And it's, uh, it's like a sort of noirish detective mystery. Uh, this, this ex-cop who is working as a... As a uh, traveling salesman while he's searching for his ex-partner and he stays the night in this hotel and mysteries happen it's pretty mellow i i but it's pretty good it's um i enjoyed it the first time i played it and i'm replaying it because i recently discovered that there was a sequel that was released in europe but not in north america so i i ebayed a copy of that and i'm replaying the first one while i'm waiting for it to arrive well there's no sort of like region locking on DS no, not on DS. Thing. I believe it is on 3DS, but the a 3DS will play a DS game from any region. I see. And so you are using your 3DS. Does does playing a, a DS game on a 3DS does the does the 3D control do anything? No. Uh-oh. Huh. Okay. I learned the other day that my eBay account is uh, 16 years old. Wow. Yeah. Are you? Does that mean that you're considered trusted? Uh, yeah, I think so. I th- I've apparently done at least 50 eBay transactions, wow. although none in many years until last week, uh, in which I started uh, just bidding on a lot randomly. of big lots of Atari games. No, it's not random. I, uh, I decided, because I, I, I spoke to my mother, who's in the process of uh, making a beanbag, a, uh, an bean expeditionary beanbag chair. Bean bag chair. Yeah. yeah. No, no, different than a beanbag. Bean yeah. We're going to play some cornhole at Zapcon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> Uh, I got the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny that you were doing that because when I was watching uh, the uh, the Awesome Games Done Quick marathon, 
there was a there was a prize for it that was uh, an Atari converted to plug into a modern television, and I went Ooh. and looked at what goes into doing that, and it it's a, there's a guy that like sells kits on eBay, and uh, I was looking up prices on Atari consoles just as you know like a project to do to convert one, but I eventually talked myself out of it because I figured I would there aren't any Atari games that I actually want to play, so. Well, what I'm doing is I'm putting together the uh, Atari Freakout Lounge for ZapCon. Right. Um, and so I'm also, what I need to do when I get back to Phoenix, I don't know if this is going to really be possible or not, because I don't know where you go to buy, like, a TV from the 80s. Did you did you not see our, uh, our, our reader mail from uh, Data Vortex? Oh, no. He said, go to pawn shops. Hmm. And uh, that they, yeah. will have, they will have TVs. Like old-ass TVs? what he said. You know, I kind of feel ethically weird about, about buying things, buying from, pawn things from pawn shops. I never have. It just thrift seems... stores, thrift stores, yeah. Pawn yeah shops. That's, I mean, that's like going to be the like an antique mall, maybe. Oh yeah, that's a good question. Although they'll probably a be overpriced suggestion. at an antique mall. Well, I don't know. I mean, that it, maybe. But I think yeah, thrift stores, pawn shops. That's where you go, and I just nobody will care. I don't ever remember seeing lately that the kind of television that I want at a thrift store because nobody wants to buy a television that doesn't even have like a component in at this point right like they can't but you but that you can still use those you I mean you want you want like a 1970s like wooden cat no, cabinet t- I mean televisions up until the 90s still had uh UHF thing and it's coax. trivial well there's UHF oh. to coax is trivial but or you want like the early '90s? Because that's what an Atari comes with—is just the two prongs coming out of the RF adapter. Oh god, right? that's so bad. It's not. I mean, it's, it's just—it's just like it's, it's crazy just, how it's how just wires. I mean, yeah, sure. So I mean, a component cable is the same thing structurally. Yeah. Right. It's just that the audio is stripped out of it, so you get better quality audio. But I think I mean composite, not component. Because component is multiple. Yeah, RG. It's one of those per channel, so it's just like three times the, three times the bandwidth, on a couple of wires. A couple of wires can do a lot of stuff, though. Can show you a sequest. <laughs> a single wire can do a lot of things. Yeah, can garrot someone, mm-hmm. force them to build you a thing with two wires in it. Can uh, can telegraph that you're about to garrot someone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could cut it in. You te- cut it in two and use it for semaphore. Yep, yep. Test someone's blood to see if they're the alien. Okay. Okay. Is that a thing with a wire in John Carpenter's The Thing? I believe that, that he used a hot wire for that, yeah. It might have been a yeah. soldering iron. It's been a lot Are, are you sure he didn't just find his hotel room on hotwire.com <laughs> and then he used that hotel room? Yeah, and then I used Hotline to, to download it. Have you ever uh, sculpted any styrofoam with a hot wire? No. Uh, it's no. Huh. Awful. It, it seems is. terrifying. It seems like it would smell really bad it smells and really probably bad. be really poisonous for you. It is super toxic. Yep. Yeah. Those are both true. <laughs> Hooray! Yeah. Um, it works really well, though. It's like it's like cutting through butter with a hot knife. Uh, but <clears throat> I have never cut butter with a hot knife. Like, I've really? never, I think, held a hot knife. Yeah, I don't think what? I've ever heated a knife. Yeah, how does a knife get hot in the course of its day-to-day knife business? You can just... 
friction. Warm it on the stove. Yeah, no, I'm not saying if I if my goal was to get a have knife never, hot, how the fuck would I do it? Have you never needed ways to, to cut that. butter that's that you forgot to take out of the fridge or whatever, so it's like rock hard? It has literally never occurred to me to heat the knife in that situation. Okay. What I always do is I microwave the butter and ruin it. Okay. Once you melt butter like that, it never comes back. It like something in there yeah, comes out of solution and yeah, yeah. And so. I what I do yep. if I'm actually using butter on the regular is I just leave it out on the counter because that's fine. Sure, it was good enough. It was good enough for our caveman ancestors, and it's good <laughs> enough for me. You know, in Europe they don't even they don't even put milk in the refrigerator. <clears throat> in Europe, they don't even shake the milk up. They just uh, they just get it directly from a cow. You know, in Europe, gals don't even shave their armpits. How weird is that? Cows don't shave their armpits? Yeah. Where is a cow's armpit? <laughs> cows don't even have arms. They've got legs. They could have leg, leg pits. pits. Yeah. But you don't have leg pits. But they they could. Right? Like if there's because there's skin that hangs down, and then they've got their like can, leg. Can a can a cow like, lift its legs out to the side the way we do our arms <clears> though? Or are they just like forward and back? It can, I was gonna say it can kick backwards pretty readily. I mean, I think. Can like, it, when you think about, like, a bull in a bullfight, it does some, like, jumping from side to side. Okay. Could, can right? a cow do the splits? I don't think it would want to, but it might be able to. I know a banana can. <laughs> um, this is a girl whose we, ass looks like a banana. Do it's we weird. only have armpits because our arms hang down our, at our sides? Is that is that where armpits come from? I don't know. That's why we have a ball pit. <laughs> Uh, you are not allowed in uh, Chuck E. Cheese's anymore. <laughs> have you been uh, Have you been playing any other video games than Hotel Dusk, Griff? Uh, I played a little more of Guacamelee, and I played a little bit of uh, Muramaza Rebirth on the Vita. It's a sort of side-scrolling hack and slash. Uh, hmm. It's super pretty art. It's the same. Um, it's by the same people that did Odin Sphere. If you're familiar oh. with that. Yeah. So it's super gorgeous looking. It's pretty fun. I haven't gotten very far in it yet, though. Odin Sphere was a game that I I really enjoyed playing it, and I was like, ah, oh, this is pretty cool. And then when I got to the end of the first chapter and realized that all of the stuff that I had done was only the first, like, 1% of the game and mm. that there were 100 other characters to play, I was just like, whoa. Yeah, and I just kind of put it down. Yeah. Put it down and walked away from it. I Like, it... The the whole thing about like planting stuff and then waiting for the stuff to grow was really it got kind of tedious and you have like to where you have to have enough people left in the zone to kill because you're watering these plants with their souls or whatever yeah it's yeah weird it's cool though and this yeah, one no. this one's a lot less simple uh, or. This one's a lot simpler mechanically. It's 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 got uh, you're collecting souls from the guys you kill, but you're then spending those souls plus energy you get from eating food uh, to unlock plus gems from the cash shop. <laughs> no 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 cash shop. It's a straight up game. Yeah, um, you're just unlocking new swords in a sort of skill tree like, except hmm. it's a sword tree because I guess um, swords grow in trees. There aren't. Are there any games with microtransactions on Vita? I mean, I feel like there's games hmm. with DLC, but I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I don't. I don't think that I've ever seen like a PlayStation game where you could buy a dollar's worth of XP potions, but I could be wrong. Because they they tie into your PSN account, which can have like credit card info. Yeah, I mean, like you can sell something for a dollar yeah. on PSN. I and just don't know. You've if... got a wallet on PSN, same as on Steam. I also I downloaded Guacamelee, um, and I played. Up until the point right after you get the uppercut, so not not very far. Um, but it seems pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I worried when I first started, like, the first time I went to move the guy around, I was like, whoa, this is fucking floaty as shit, and the guy moves real awkwardly. But then once I got used to it, it feels good. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know what was so off-putting about it when I first started, like, taking a couple steps. I, I I don't know if it's the game or, or well I assumed that it was the the Vita because I'm not used to the Vita sticks yet I assumed that maybe those maybe just the sticks were super fast and I just need to get used to them but having that other data point that it's that it's more in the game is interesting I don't know sometimes it'll feel weird and then once you actually start moving around you get used to it and it's fine but. yeah. Well, what have, what have you been playing? I have not played anything new. I spent a little more time playing um, Blood and Laurels. Yeah, you should you should talk about it. You should describe that game because we uh, yeah, we hinted that we were going to say something about it. Last it is not yet out. Um, it was supposed to come out a couple days ago, but they for some reason they delayed the release of it. Um, it is um, a Versu game, so it's uh, oh, this one's great. written by Emily Short. Um, Versu is like Linden, Linden Labs. Labs. Uh, the recently, uh, the recently Rod Humble less, yeah. Rod Humbleless and Rod Humbleless. This is the thing where it's like a text adventure, except the NPCs have have more AI in them. Yeah, it's more it's more system. I mean, it's sort of like a Twine game. Yeah, with, with some systemic components. So you were not it. like typing anything. You're not typing in responses. You are. Um, the way that it that it at least unfolds in in this particular thing, I don't know if this is true of all Versu games, is every basically the they'll present a, a paragraph of text, and uh, you always have the option to to click on to click more, or sometimes you'll have the, the like probably half of the time you can click on you can click a button that says Act Now, um, and so if you don't click Act Now, if you just do more, then that's just sort of like letting time pass. Um, when you click on Act Now and it and it's available to you, uh, you then get a set of options. And and how that set of options is generated, I don't entirely understand because it sometimes is very few options and sometimes is like thirty options. Yeah, sometimes there'll be like five or six different things that you can say to five or six different NPCs yeah. in the room. Yep. And I and I wonder if some of those are just and they're categorized. Like there's conversation, there's m- your mood, there's like relationships, observation. Observation, yeah, which so is like, like you can just like look around the room and get more information, but then things. doing that like time will pass and you'll like stuff stuff may or may not happen in the room, but then your set of options is different. It's either reduced or expanded. Or some both. of them, I think, just change the NPC's feelings about you. There's yep. like, a, there's just like an option to say something nice to someone, and then maybe yeah. they'll. Yeah. So like, a, like there was like an example is like an NPC mentioned something, and then I chose to look at a statue instead of responding, and he was like, 
answer my question. And then his like mood at the bottom of the screen are like little icons for all the different um, NPCs that you're interacting with. And, and his mood is like, he's ignoring me. What's going on? Hmm. You get these weird sort of almost psychic insights into what their thoughts are, which is strange. Like, I think it's supposed to be you're reading their expressions or whatever, but I don't think it's ever false. Cause like, it's like, I hope I don't have to kill this guy <laughs> thinking about you. And I'm like, well, Jesus, that's kind of tipping your hand here. That's, that's quite I mean, a facial maybe, expression. Yeah. Maybe we have some sort of weird autism and we're like the only people on earth who don't get that detailed level of information <laughs> just by like, you know, catching the pheromones wafting off of okay. somebody and seeing the expression on their face. That's I had not I had not considered that possibility. Um, so I so I played it a little bit before the last uh, hot dog, um, but you and I both played it, and we had all nearly nearly yeah, very very similar outcomes. Yeah. Like to the point where the achievements that we got, the subset of three achievements that we got out of a possible 12, 12 or 15, 12, uh, were the same. So I feel like we did exactly the same. So which left us unsure of how much branching possibility there actually was. Yeah. And so then I played I played through it three more times uh, last night and got three very very different stories. And so I now I am convinced that there is a lot more going on in there. I mean, I I got killed very quickly by just being belligerent and, and obtuse. I got uh, I got a completely different like a whole set of events that I just hadn't seen the first time with like having an affair with a, uh, an NPC and then like spending some time wandering around the market and going to different shops. And then the, all that being interrupted by um, the game is set in, you know, ancient Rome. Uh, and so having all that being interrupted by the uh, emperor lighting his wife on fire on a barge and stuff. Like it was just like stuff that had just didn't even vaguely happen in the, the, the my first run through. So there's, there's a ton of stuff going on. There is an early choice you can make that results in the emperor marrying a candle. So maybe that was... <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, like, I really appreciate the, the, the mechanism, like, where it seems like the NPCs have mental states that you are affecting by doing various saying various things and doing various things and it's all sort of hidden behind this um, opaque mechanics wall and you have to sort of intuit what you want you can do to to get various outcomes to happen like it's it's just like real life I guess where you're trying to manipulate people with the things you say and do yeah except that every once in a while I mean, you and I both observed this on our first playthrough every once in a while some just weird non sequitur will yeah. fall out of the system and you'll be like what the fuck is that like this like this girl who I've been you know talking to suddenly like did something like a robot would do where they just like randomly just announced their feelings about somebody that they weren't talking to to them yep. in a way that would have been like entirely socially inappropriate and it's like so and part of it is like how much of that is ha- how much of the stuff that's falling out of the system do we not notice because we're only going to notice it if it's jarring and how much of it is actually just these sort of bespoke right you know <laughs> tendrils writhing through the possibility space i even i even had one one encounter of something that that just re- reported a null underscore text i was like <laughs> Huh? Maybe I'm. I'm wondering if they're like gonna check for all of those before they release this to the world because hmm. that's that's kind of funny. So like, 
I mean, depending on how, like, like you you would need to report that. Yeah, there would need to be some sort of like external report for all of those so that people could fill in the writing. Like, and like that's my question is, do they put a structure together? I, I really want to see the authoring tools for this because do they just sort of construct a set of NPCs and a rough storyline and like a couple of possible branching things and then they're like, okay, now computer, tell me what other stuff I need to write for various interactions with these. And they're like, okay, well, you know, these NPCs can have these different feelings. So like write a bunch of different interactions for these possible encounters like is that yeah, what's I mean, it happening it seems like you would be able to and this is a thing that like you know it would be you can definitely conceive of how you could do this like just write a program to make every possible choice at every possible juncture and play out all of these things and make a list of all of the text things that it requested right but it's more but this is more systemic than that right like it's not just a choose your own adventure or a or a uh, it's not strictly just a branching narrative because it's well, systemic. But I mean, it, it that only the latter right. only only matters the former if there is uncertainty in parts of it. Yeah, and maybe there, there might be. It, right? Like for because, all we know, there is. Sure, but I mean, if there isn't, then it is just it is a really huge graph. Right of things that can happen, but if it is deterministic, it's still, and, and I think it is deterministic. It like it, it it is too big for you to wrap your head around, right? It, or for even the author to. Wrap that, and that's their head yeah. Around. I feel like it, I feel like it's too big for even an author to. But that doesn't mean tackle. that it's that doesn't mean that it's too big for a computer to iterate through it billions of times and make sure that there's not some weird output being requested sure. that they haven't written text for. Right. Um, but you yeah, know. the fact that the fact that there, you can get to a a node and then have 30 different things that you can choose from is it's a little overwhelming in some some situations yeah i mean i guess it could be one of those chess game it, like it could it would it could pretty rapidly turn into the the chess game problem right, right. where there there's too many yeah, different there is things. not there are not enough atoms in the universe for each one to represent one traversal of this right. thing that is a fairly comprehensible possibility space um, on its surface I, I am super interested to see what goes on with this. Like the is is Emily going to be at? I don't think so. Indicade. Yeah, I would be really we surprised. We are going to be at Indicade. Oh East. yeah. If any uh, if any listeners are over in uh, in New York and want to go to Indicade East and say hi. Yeah, you're we'll you're there. giving a talk. Yeah, yeah, I guess I am. Friday the what's today the fourteenth? Friday the fourteenth? Okay, something good. maybe. Otherwise, that would be a really unlucky talk. And I'd have to wear a hockey mask. I think oh. we're gonna go. Uh, I think we're gonna go do sleep no more. Yeah, I think that's that's a potential plan. What is that? I need to get tickets. Uh, it seems like it's like a weird sex cult. <laughs> it is. So sleep no more is a weird uh, Shakespeare adaptation um, set in um, a hotel, basically, and you wander around for two hours while scenes are being played out in different rooms yeah. and stuff and it's completely like it can be very non-linear because you can encounter it in weird ways and you like there is i think there is sort of like a standard path that most people take through it but I, like a friend of mine was with a group and she got separated from that group and so she was just sort of wandering around by herself for the vast majority of the evening and having all of these unique experiences that only she had, which was really cool. So it's it's sort of a weird deconstructed theater that, that a lot of people have uh, have highly recommended. It's pricey. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it is like a Broadway show in its expense. Is it sort I of think. like uh, uh, what's that Jordan Mechner train game? Uh, maybe you don't get to um, save and restore. <laughs> right, but but is there there's it. There, I, I think all yeah, these things are happening. Scenes are all interconnected, and so depending on which which actors you're observing, you get different parts of the story. I think so. Yeah. I mean, if you're like me, anything that takes place in a real world 3D space is sort <laughs> of like The Last Express because I will turn 45 degrees and think that I have turned 115 degrees or right. whatever. Uh, all all it's, wood. It explains why your baking same. never works out. <laughs> ah man. I'm a terrible driver, too. I go to change lanes, and I just do a really high-speed U-turn middle of the freeway. I don't do that. I'm an excellent driver. I was listening. It must have been like a radio lab or This American Life talking about how if you ask people to um, mime changing a lane with their hands, like if they were like on a steering wheel, they invariably do like dramatically overcorrect for like what they're supposed to be doing like they will make if you say change a lane they'll like turn the car 90 degrees Mm -hmm. and make make a turn or whatever or if say do a u-turn they won't turn far enough and that kind of thing like they don't people just don't have a sense of how like when they're getting automatic feedback from a car it makes perfect sense but when you just try to imagine it it doesn't like you haven't actually internalized how you drive well but i think the problem is that you have internalized it right and that you like driving is the like classical this is what it means to automatize something right so you just are no longer aware of what you are doing Hmm. on a conscious level at all so you can't like mimic it if you're not doing it because that's not how that part of your brain works yeah i I had a poor choice of words i think but yeah but yeah, I mean, it's not right. I mean, I thought about it, and I was like, eh, like you know, just three degrees. Yeah, it's super, probably still it's super way too subtle. much. Probably still way too much. You know, like, but it's, I don't know, man. Driving is terrifying. After every time I get here and I go like a month without driving, I'm like getting back in a car. Man, I don't want to get like couple that with playing like a Grand Theft Auto for <laughs> a six hour stint. That is really scary to me. <laughs> or like, Katamari Damashi. <laughs> Sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but that's the thing. If you if you like step away from real driving and then have this very intense video game experience where you are just doing all sorts of crazy stuff, like I have gotten into a car and been like, uh, I need to recalibrate. After playing Saints Row Four, I I come out of the door of our apartment and I'm Go, like, well, whoop, 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 I need whoop, to whoop. get to uh, I need to get to the office. I'm guessing that if I run about half a block and then jump, I'll just land on it. <laughs> um, but that never works. So yeah, do you have anything else to say about Blood and Laurels? Uh, no. Uh, I played a little more Civ Clicker. Um, that game is super slow. Um, I, uh, I finished a wonder, and I decided to try a different deity and made a made a civilization that was following the the god of the underworld which was pretty cool actually because it was like you can raise zombies and uh specters to fight for you and stuff like that but um but then i so i finished that one finished that another wonder and then started over and like chose the god of the fields and it is super boring so yeah now now the only one left is cats which i think you did so yeah i did 
I don't know that that the, none of keep those, doing that. None of their bonus. Do you still have the zombies and stuff? Like, do you? Do you? No. Nope. Eh, yeah. See, that's. Yep. I just don't. I don't know, man. Like, it, I can kind so of imagine potential. it being fun to make one of those games at this point, but not to to play it. Not to play one unless it had something new. Yeah. In it, like, and this this one kind of doesn't, right? Like this one. Yeah. It just it is it it is so abrasive to actually play like. To, to be at all sort of optimal, you need to be babysitting it a lot. And if you aren't optimal, it takes freaking forever to build a wonder. So it just strikes a bad balance. Whereas yeah. I feel like that Christmas clicker, like, yeah, that was Christmas actually really clicker fun. Introduced a new oh, thing. That was so great. Right? The Which like was naming, cool, naming the like, ornaments yeah, it was like, was it was great. like a, like a sort of a trivia thing, like a memory thing, like an inspiration thing. And then I like looking things up on a wiki, thing, sure. you know, but it was like, collaborative we were playing that game together Mm -hmm. like sort of you know parallel couch co-op because our desks are across from each other and we're like oh do you have have you heard about a fucking chris dingle what the fuck is this and how is this a thing that's existed for 75 years without us hearing why is that the thing that's put in there when i typed in orange (laughs) that's good um even like clicking bad right like you could get that in a state where the right move was just to leave it alone yeah. and it like Civ Clicker gets to the point where you don't need to click anymore it is stupid to yeah. click on the thing anymore which kind of cookie clicker does too which that I feel cookie like is the only doesn't though because cookie clicker has all of those like sh- basically quick time event type things yeah, where I, that pop up I have n- I have only ever seen one of those. They're pretty infrequent until you get things that multiply how often and how long they last yeah, and how slow that. and stuff. Like fuck that game. It It's not you know, I wouldn't say it's not a game really, but it is a, it's game. a game. But yeah, I don't yeah. Candy Box was so good and and a dark room, dark room a dark was room was really good. Yeah, that's like a good it point. was a real sort of ev- like yeah, that's true. I had forgotten about that one. That one definitely had mood and interesting mechanics and and it had exploration and yep. like it it you know, and it was harder. Yeah. But it also had like a defined scope. I mean, of all of those, like a dark room is the one that like okay, this is huh, Candy Box was pretty cool. Let's make a video game. Right. I mean, Candy Box was a video game, but like it's it's like you think, well, I know enough JavaScript that I can make one of these, and then you only make the boring part. Right. It seems to be what keeps happening. Well, and there's that new uh, idle game maker thing that like lets you make one of these really boring ones with just a simple text document. I wonder if it has to be boring. I'm guessing that you. I mean, because like, I wonder how structured. I wonder how structured it is, right? Like, I, yeah. like that's true. Can you? conditionally make new things available and if so could you spin out a web of dependencies that was complicated enough that it felt like content instead of maybe you know I, if i was going to do it i would just write it in javascript right because right? it's i like javascript is a thing that i know how to look up how to do stuff and I, rather than like just struggling it's kind of like i kind of didn't have any interest in learning puzzle script because it's so easy though is it yeah because it looked really complicated it looked it didn't look complicated it looked confusing because it didn't look 
it didn't look anything like code. And when I am when I am imagining how to make things do things on a computer, I'm thinking about code. It's the, the establishing the rules can be a little tricky because the syntax is a little strange, but everything else is just trivial. So I mean, I'm sort of drawing pictures of your levels and drawing pictures yeah. of your sprites and stuff, which is yeah. which is cool. Yeah, the rules. I mean, I guess the rules are sort of the heart of what that what makes. If you want to make a novel game that isn't just sort of an iteration on something like a novel else's game, like Hotel Dusk, yes, <laughs> um, then it does become a bit more challenging because you have to figure out how to to use the the limitations and verbs that the sort of system allows you to use to do something novel with it. But uh, if you're just sort of if you just want to make a Sokoban clone, then it's super easy. You know, and like then, then you, if you want to practice level design, that's a great way to to get your foot in the door. You know, and I I made a couple of things that were sort of a different novel rule set, and it sort of proved to me that it, that idea was had the tiniest bit of merit, but wasn't super fun. So, sorry, somebody's d- dismantling the building that we're in. Yeah, we do it. Um, y- you know, your like, I think that the only thing that stopped the idea that you, you know, the system that you made in there from being a really compelling game was just not making a bunch of levels that really supported it. Like maybe. That. Yeah, I don't know. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty disenchanted with it after I, after I made like ten levels and was like, okay, I sort of, I see where this is going, and I'm, I'm, I'm not inspired. Well, but the thing. I mean, the thing about making a video game is that you are the only person on Earth who doesn't get to enjoy it, right? Yeah, I <laughs> like, guess. It's... Sure. So you got to take that into account. Uh, anything else? Nope. Just just that. I forgot uh, over the last few weeks to talk about a thing that I've been poking my head into off and on as they patch it, but uh, Tryon Worlds, the people who make Rift, have hmm. a new... Sort of MMOE kind of thing. Okay. Uh, in alpha, that you could like, you could spend fifty dollars on it and get a like. You'll definitely be in the next wave of alpha invites. So I just it might have it might not even even have been fifty dollars. It might have been less than that. But it looked really cool, and uh, our 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 buddy and friend of the show, David Bass, uh, was excited about it and was going to be playing it. So I was like, oh, I'll check this out. It is like. A sort of Minecrafty MMO. Is this Rust? No, this is Trove. Trove. Huh. Yeah, I've never it's, heard it's of real. This. It's yeah, real like fantasy. Go. So, so it's a, it's a voxel world where the voxels are just plain like colored cubes. I, now I suddenly feel like I have talked about this, but I don't remember it, this. It at is all. at a scale where your dude is about. Yeah, your dude is maybe four voxels, landscape voxels tall, or maybe okay. three. So it's it's like. Double the twice scale the twice, <laughs> which is my way of saying double and twice. So it's four times the resolution of Minecraft. Yeah. Um, but your character and all like the you know the grass on the ground and the like resource nodes that you can mine and stuff are at a much smaller voxel scale. So there's a lot more personality in them, and you don't you're not editing those things, right? So you, 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 the landscape is destructible, but you are made of much smaller voxels. But you're still made of voxels. Your face is eight pixels across. I right? see. So, so like it's like voxels at 
maybe half the texture resolution of a Minecraft natively. The enemies look like that, and your weapons and stuff look like that. A lot of the weapons are like user design. Oh, wow. Um, they, it was like, hey, you want to design a weapon for Trove? Check out this tutorial. And it's like, step one, open your favorite voxel editor. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have a favorite voxel <laughs> editor. Like, you, you couldn't have maybe, like, linked to the one that you is recommend? in this screenshot? Or at least said, like, what it was called? Like, what a weird tutorial. Yeah. Like, what a weird thing to refer to as a tutorial. Well, maybe, maybe the... Uh, the primary voxel editor out there is called your favorite voxel editor. Ah, okay. Okay. Y F V E. That we should open a store called Your Local Supermarket. Yeah. Um anyway, it's it because they keep doing server wipes and because they keep changing things super rapidly, it's hard for me to actually know how the thing is going to play out. I mm. think that the terrain within a certain range of the starting area is not destructible by anybody. But, like, you will accidentally destroy terrain by, like, doing power attacks and stuff. Like, you, when you're, you know, you swing a sword and then you got a hotbar and you hit one and you do, like, a big jump and if your sword hits something on the way down, it just destroys the bricks. Um, you can collect the bricks and you can switch into, like, a build mode and build stuff and then there are these blocks, there are these, like, platforms on the ground that are uh, they call them cornerstones, but they're just lots that you can take ownership of. And then only you can edit the stuff from, like, world floor to world ceiling. So, basically, the only thing that anybody ever builds is these giant, crazy towers. Because, you, it, it, which is a little weird. Right? It's a little weird that that's what the landscape is going to look like. Is Everything is going to be burrowed out all the way to the floor of the world. Except for these massive spires everywhere <laughs> that somebody has one of these... Can you get an arbitrary number of these cornerstones? I don't... I think you can only claim one. Like, whenever I go... Whenever they do a wipe and I go and I claim one, it just rebuilds my old house on it. Huh. So I think that whatever you build on your cornerstone, like, follows you... Weird. ...in some sense. It's kind <laughs> um, of cool. I don't think you can store anything there yet, but there's a bunch of... You can craft a bunch of stuff that's also at the, like, small voxel scale, so you can put, like, a torch in front and you can make different colored torches, and there's... A lot of different environments. Like, you run and you go through all these different sorts of places with lots and lots of different kinds of enemies. Hmm. Um, and they all they all just sort of break into currency when you beat them, or, or gear. And the gear it doesn't have anything to do... You know, you'll kill a bee and get, like, a weird toilet plunger to weapon or something, right? It's not like... It's just some thing that somebody made. Uh, and it has, like, a budget based on its enchantments, and the monster has a budget based on its level, and if it decides to drop something, it's just gonna drop some random thing huh. that was designed by some player as a, as a new weapon. They added a new class uh, that you can unlock in the last update a couple days ago. Do they, so they have different skills? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I don't think that there's really much of a progression system in place yet. Like, you earn experience and level up, but I haven't seen where it unlocks any new skills. Um, you start with a collection of sort of Christmas-themed pets and mounts, <laughs> which I think is probably just a testing thing. Uh, it it has a ton of potential, like a, a, just a way more gamey version of Minecraft, sure. right? Like, well, a Minecraft where instead of all of the game elements being added by what seems to just be like weird aliens <laughs> <laughs> like like did you ever play Don't Starve? Yeah, boy do I not understand why people like Don't Starve. Well, so I was thinking that that 
so one of the ways that you can play Minecraft is thinking of it as like a survival game, right? Like it's gather these resources, build some stuff before the zombies come, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and Don't Starve, as, as I've seen it, is a much deeper sort of formalization of that where there are resources around and you have to gather them and sort of build up a tech tree to survive longer and longer as more and more sort of hazardous conditions come about, you know, bad weather and wolves and monsters and stuff like that. And like, it's, it seems like it just gets rid of all the voxel stuff in the building, like the arbitrary construction that Minecraft has and just focuses on that survival game, which I think is pretty, is a kind of a neat um, approach. Like, yeah, I just don't, I haven't found the loop in Don't Starve that is compelling. And I like I, I understand that a lot of people like it, and I th- it's it's weird because it seems to hear people talk about it like a thing that I would. It's like. It's pretty deep. It's got a lot of depth to it if you're willing to. I, boy, do I invest just some not time in there? See, I feel like there are like thirty items in the entire game that you can make. Yeah, you have, then, you've haven't unlocked like any. You haven't scratched the surface, really. I think is the that, thing. I mean, that's. Did weird. You, you 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 have to make a science machine? Yeah, yeah. You made one? No, I'm saying that like. The, everything that you can make is silhouetted in your little bars to no, begin with. No, no, not even close. Because um, like a bunch of stuff, a bunch of stuff unlocks, and there's a bunch of additional things that, like everything. That, I guess everything that you can make, everything that you know how to make, is might be silhouetted. But then you like make a science machine, and like suddenly you have like ten additional. No, what I mean, trees. When I say silhouetted, I mean there are outlines of where stuff will go once you learn how to do it. Like here's the science machine, and then right. there's another tree that's like this. You have to have a science machine to make. Like there's but there's one hundreds kind of... of items though. Mm-hmm. In the game, there's there's just a ton a ton of stuff in there. I mean, maybe what I need to do is read a Don't Starve wiki. Oh yeah, because I don't believe you. I don't believe that there are hundreds of items to make in Don't Starve. Like, it, it seems like a game that is very much in the process of being made, and it's a game where it's like, all right, well, with the, this is a game where you can wear hats. Here's the one hat you can make. Hmm. And there's one hat. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe the reason that I don't understand why people get so into this is because I am just doing it wrong. But, like... I think you probably didn't spend enough time with it to, to break through that sort of initial hump. Because once you've once you've sort of set up a place to like get food and like regular food and and like fire resources and stuff like that and have a bed and that kind of thing, um, but I feel like it kind of. Uh, whereas Minecraft, eventually all of the stuff that you need is underground, mm-hmm. right? This is there isn't an underground, so setting up a base of operations just means you're going to have to walk further to find anything. It does, like, yeah, there is a lot of walking and like coming back, but I think the idea is that you eventually sort of make mobile things, and there's also wormholes where you can tra- transport between one place and another and stuff like that. There's there's all sorts of there's all sorts of weird stuff that I don't even know what it's all about. There's like weird ritual areas and summoning stones and. Yeah, I don't know. There's all sorts of crazy weird stuff that that I, I like I get the impression that there's a ton and ton of stuff in there. But I know there's way more than thirty items. I mean there's almost I think there's more than thirty things you can just collect off from the ground. Yeah, that might be true. But I'm yeah. So I don't think it's hundreds. I think it's dozens. Mm, tops. 
I guess I don't know. But that for who sure. knows? I'll look at a wiki and maybe maybe angry listeners will send us angry listeners mails about how I just don't understand what's good about Don't Starve, but I just I'm not I'm not seeing it. Like I bought it and I don't regret buying it, but it's like this is this is half a percent the game that Minecraft was Interesting. at the alpha level that I bought it at. Watching Melissa play it, she got really into it for several days and uh and there was just tons and tons and tons of stuff that she was doing. And I was like, what are you, what is going on? I mean, it's like you can make walls, but why would you? To keep out the wolves and zombies and stuff. I don't think there are zombies. There might not be zombies, but there's definitely wolves. <laughs> right. Okay. So. I've seen spiders. Dogs, spiders. I've seen bees. Yeah. I've seen birds. Okay. Then I know about fucking. I think there are, there are rabbits. They might, <laughs> they might eat your your vegetables your carrots hey speaking of birds yeah flappy bird oh jesus what is so you guys uh you guys have both played this what flappy and you bird? both hate no i've 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 looked at i looked at like you just YouTube watched a clip. let's play no i i was like what is this thing that everyone is talking about it sounds like garbage and i looked at like a 30 second youtube clip and i was like yep garbage yeah, this is like it's like a game it's like a game that you would play on a calculator in 1991, you know, but for whatever reason, like, it's, I think it's probably instructive to figure out, like, what it is that is so compelling about it, and I think it is just the difficulty and the rapidity with which you can try again when you're pissed off at having made a mistake and fucked up. Are the levels the same each time? or no, they're randomly, randomly generated. generated. So why would you play this and not, like, Cannibal? Yeah, I don't know. This is cute. It has Super Mario sprites. It's the new hotness. Why is the new hotness so frequently dumb? Why 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 are the games that are that everybody in the world suddenly starts playing? Why are they the worst games? Well, they're not. They're not always necessarily. I mean, this is kind of like snood 2K14, right? Where it's like why why is your mom playing this? Like, this is just... This was a game that we got into in the arcade ten years ago when you were, like, you know, at Ross or whatever, and we went to the arcade. Like, why is this suddenly a thing that you're interested in when it is presented to you as a clumsy Windows port with terrible graphics? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what... Ah, uh, snood, man. What... What was what was up with Snood? If I ever find that obelisk, that's what I'm gonna ask it. <laughs> uh, yeah, fucking Flappy Bird, Jesus. It looked fun. <laughs> anyway, this week's assignment is Flappy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Anything in the news you gentlemen would care to comment on? Oh, dang. Um. I think all news should be in the public domain. <laughs> I did notice something, and I neglected to remember what it was. Yeah, a friend, a friend of the organiz- organization, uh, John Walker, has said some incendiary things. Yeah, that a lot of people disagree with. I'm on, I'm on record as not believing that copyrights or trademarks are important. So, in any way, shape, or form, not really. Yeah. Like, basically, when you consider that even among people whose chief interest is writing 
erotic vampire novels, the fact that Twilight is copyrighted is not meaningful. Because they can just write one with the exact same characters that are in Twilight and then do a search and replace for those names and change them to other names and then sell it as an original work because copyright is just not a big fucking deal. And, like... So you are you are coming at this from the point of view of creators. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. And not That's, stifling. That, right, because that is the only point of view that matters well, to I, me. I mean, I think... Because all I care about is that there be more cool shit in the world now than there was before. The original... I think the original point of copyright was to let people have some sort of recourse if somebody else tried to sell their shit, right? Like if I wrote a book sure. and somebody else said, oh, well, I'm just going to take that book, put my name on it and sell it, like the, like I would have some sort of way of being like, you can't do that. I wrote that book. You know what I mean? Like that's, that is what copyright was originally for sure and i mean that's sort of still what it's for right yeah. like nobody cares if you violate their copyright until you're trying to make money off of it and then they come after you usually like, yeah yeah i mean there are there are probably particular examples of outfits well, I mean, that will do it preemptively the, just because they well there's the riaa and the mpaa and stuff like that like like th- those guys have even if you're not trying to make money off it they are coming at it from the point of view of you are denying us profits by mm. watching this stuff without paying for it. Sure. Right. I mean, I am vehemently anti-piracy. Right. Right. So I'm not going to, that no one is going to get any sympathy. Sure. From me on that. So, I mean, but pi- no does, sh- does piracy like, only exist in, in the sense that there is a, such a thing as an intellectual property right though? And isn't that defined by a copyright? Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, sure. I mean, I, <clears throat> I suppose from I, I can't say that from the consumer's point of view, you know, I can because you can fucking download a song and you not get in trouble. Like the thing that gets you in trouble is seeding torrents of a shitload of music and becoming a target. Like you, like <clears throat> nothing is st- John Walker basically was talking about Gog and saying, why are, these, why are these games from 20 years ago not free? And I, it is so hard for me to not, not read that as, I want this, but I don't want to pay even a pittance for it. Therefore, I think that everything should be free once it's old enough that I want it. <laughs> like, and... I I just don't buy the arguments about the public domain being super important. Like, you know, Jake Video Game Rodkin suggested that if Sherlock Holmes were not in the public domain, you wouldn't have something like the BBC's Sherlock. But yes, you would. His name would just be Burlock Jolmes, and it would be the exact same <laughs> fucking show, and nothing nothing would be different about it, right? Like, it's... You know, if Sherlock Holmes were still copyrighted, you would still have House, which is just fucking Sherlock Holmes. Because you can't copyright an idea. You can't copyright a conceit. There are only seven stories in a seven-story building. (laughs) Except that they skipped the 13th story, so there's technically eight. In a 13-story building? Yes. Uh, 
So I don't. So as somebody who is currently still in the process of working on a single creative work that is entering its eleventh year of existing, I think a twenty-year like if suddenly the shit that I'm doing, like the first thing I added to KOL this like this week is the week that that thing goes into the public domain. It's like well. I added a second sentence to that item description four years later. So it was like the first half of that item description in the public domain now. So then you end up with this Byzantine set of rules for like renewing the copyright to avoid things going into the public domain, which is what we already have, which then becomes a system that is characterized entirely by its abuse by corporations that you don't like that you then get mad about. And you don't think about all of the cases where people that you like are using this same system in the way that it was designed to be used to, like, maybe they want... Let's flip it around for a second. Sure. What do you... What are your feelings about Creative Commons? That if you voluntarily release something into the wild and say that you maintain no ownership of it, like, that's... It's it's up to you. As the guy who made a thing, it's up to you what gets done with it. And if you sell that right to somebody else, if that's what you decide to do with it, then it's up to them what gets done with it. And if somebody paid you to do something as work for hire, it was, is, and will always be up to them what happens with it. So you you are totally down with the idea of people, if they want to release rights of something, to just be like, there are no rights. Do, the, do, it, do yeah, it yeah, as, as you want. Um, I I am an asshole libertarian. I'm not an asshole libertarian. I am an asshole, but I'm not a libertarian. <laughs> I'm an asshole. Wait, no, I've got an asshole, but I'm not an asshole. I'm just trying to feel out what your uh, your landscape of views on intellectual property are. I think, and oh, I am I am certain that they are rife with self contradiction. <laughs> I just you know I. I can see arguments on both sides of it, but I I don't like to say this game from 20 years ago that someone made relinquished their rights to it to someone else who relinquished their rights to it to someone else who relinquished their rights to it to someone else. Like, does this go into the public domain after 30 years, even though the last person who paid for the rights to it paid for it yesterday because they just forgot what day it was? Because that's weird. Like, yeah, I mean, the argument that things should just go into the public domain after 20 years doesn't really make any sense. It's just, it's a naive statement, I guess. But the notion that things can be, can last for 100 years or more as as a sort of copyrighted entity is weird, right? I, mean, I think this is a particularly American problem. I know John Walker's British because, you know, we think 100 years is a long time. Well, but it is a long time for a creative work, right? Like what... I don't know... You that. you you were arguing with me that, that an author should be able to say, now my kids should get the royalties from this, this book because I want them to. And, and well, so then... Well, an author should, like, should be and, able to say, I want whoever sure to to have control of this but like by that logic you could just say well this you know this uh, you know 50 shades of gray can continue to get profits uh from its copyright in in perpetuity as long as they pass on those rights to, yeah, to somebody as long who's alive. somebody is paying attention to it and wants to and cares about it yeah i absolutely don't care i absolutely do not care if the copyright on the text of Fifty Shades of Grey lasts for fucking ever because the material outcome of that is zilch. 
on any future work of culture that is produced by anyone ever. I like, think that people, there is this sort of lofty goal that people want there to be an ever-increasing public, I mean, the public domain of of arts and literature and and whatever that is just freely accessible. There is. Okay. There is more public domain <clears throat> shit available now than there was when I started this sentence. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. What what the argument is is that everything should have that as its ultimate destination. And I just don't see any reason for that to be the case. You think that things should just, some things should just never go into the public domain? I think that it should be up to whoever owns them, Hmm. whether they do or not. You know, the same way that I think it should be up to the guy who owns a bar, whether you let people fucking smoke cigarettes inside the bar or not. But, you know, that's, that is, that is clearly somebody's asshole racist grandpa saying something I can remember when you could smoke in bars right? and everybody fucking knew that you felt like shit after you left a bar that was all smoky and they went, they went anyway. Yeah. And yeah, whatever. Secondhand smoke. It's a first rate killer. (laughs) Anything you guys uh, see in the news? No, no, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, right. not not really. The there was that thing about um the president and all the chiefs of Nintendo taking huge salary cuts. But, yeah. But I don't know how much there is to say about that. Uh just that Japanese corporations are more moral than American mm. corporations. Well, more willing to take responsibility and apologize for their failures. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean more willing to publicly self-humiliate for Dude, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Nintendo has been on a doom trajectory for as long as they have existed, and they've existed for 500 years. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying as soon as Doom came out, they were screwed? Yeah. Yeah. As soon as Doom came out and they uh, made all the blood green on the Super Nintendo port of it. You know, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for John Walker because he's the guy he's the guy whose rock paper shotgun articles I will consistently read I just I kind of think that he's wrong about this but I'm really not interested in getting into an argument with anyone (laughs) about it like there there was a I almost Jesus I almost posted to a Metafilter thread oh my god that was talking about no it was talking about free to play stuff and somebody was like you know from the attitudes expressed in here, I can tell that almost everyone in this thread is not somebody who works making video games. And then somebody replied to that, from the attitude expressed in this post, I can tell that you make video games and don't give a shit about what your customers think. And I was tempted to reply, I can tell by reading both of those things that you, someone who says you shouldn't have to pay money for something, are not a fucking customer. (laughs) So you don't get to have a customer's opinions Hmm. about a thing if your opinion is that you shouldn't have to pay for the thing. Because you are fucking dictionary literally not a customer of this thing if that is your attitude. That is... 
That is what I was tempted to say on a kind of an orthogonal argument <laughs> to something kind of similar to this. <clears throat> you know, it's like Bennett Foddy getting all pissed off about free-to-play games and like... Well, because the the 99% of them that are out in the world are unpleasant. Right, right? Like, and that's because people like him won't make one. That's an interesting argument. <clears throat> Is it not because... The pe- more people are interested in squeezing as much profit out of a uh, consumer as they can. Uh, do you think that that's true? Yeah. Do you I think, think more people? I think way more people. Do you think more? Nah, I guess that's probably true. More, way but there more are people. more. There are more business school bros that want money than there are creative individuals who want to create yeah. things and oh, yeah. just make enough money to survive. Yeah. Although I would argue that probably <clears throat> more people, if you asked them whether they would rather play a game that was maximally profitable or a game that was maximally fun would say that they wanted to play a game that was maximally fun. Sure. Right? So, I mean, it's like, the the problem is they're not asking them. They're just releasing things and seeing what their behaviors are. It was interesting to see, it is interesting to see in progress, the savaging of that fucking Dungeon Keeper abortion in reviews. The one that has the just terrible... Yeah. yeah business models it makes me sad because somebody spent a lot of time making some cool new updated art assets for a dungeon keeper game and somebody and i guarantee the people who made this game did not want it to be some free-to-play bullshit it's just that ea was paying their bills and you know paying their salaries and ea wanted it to be some free-to-play bullshit i what strikes me as weird is that like the same people who will argue that Corporations shouldn't be allowed to own ideas. Corporations shouldn't be allowed to, like, you know, abuse patents, trademarks, copyrights to stop people from creating things. Will also, like, rail against Zynga for cloning a game. And it's like, you know, if you made a game that Zynga could make a copy of in a week, probably the thing that you did is so stupid straightforward that it couldn't be it wouldn't be covered by any of those things anyway like is that true or like because what if you came up with a really interesting novel idea right like and then like that was the that was the interesting bit and then it was just a matter of like having some art and some sound i mean it sucks if you do that and then zynga uses their marketing budget to make a shittier version of that and make a shitload of money off or even, of it. Even but, not necessarily a shittier version. But the thing is, you still made that thing and it still belongs to you, right? And if Yeah, and if if you you can't eat that though, right? Like but what you don't want is to change the entire legal landscape such that derivative works are not okay because what you insist is a person who feels that there is a value in a lot of ideas and a lot of cultural artifacts being entered into the public domain is that they are there for the purposes of the creation of of derivative works right everything is a remix but you can you can make a derivative work of something that is copyrighted you can make a derivative work of something that is that is that is patented like depends patents are weirder with software but like Generally, I'm just talking about copyright because that's it's nobody can really figure out like which of those things a game well so like falls under the the hope poster that uh, Shepard Ferry made of Obama 
Like that was a derivative work that he got sued successfully for, right? Like it was based on a it was based on a photograph that he did not own the rights to, and he did sort of you know a posterization process to that, and lost a lot of money. But I mean, he was selling it, well, right? I mean, I think he lost a lot of money that he wouldn't have made if he hadn't made the thing, right? Like, I mean, the question the question comes down to like. Are we interested in cool things being put into culture, or are we interested in people making money off of things? And I am primarily interested in the former, right? And so the I mean, I am interested in people being able to make things and survive and not have to have two other jobs so that they can spend evenings and weekends eking by making stuff. And the modern world is one where it is possible to do that at an unprecedented scale relative to back when the copyright laws were the good old days as far as John Walker and Cory Doctorow are concerned. I wonder if it is... I wonder if we're living in a time that because the means of distribution are so relatively easy and ubiquitous that we overlook the fact that there are all these other abuses and like it it seems like things are getting better but actually it's it's much more like difficult do you know what i mean difficult to make a living as an artist yeah i mean i think it is difficult to make a living as an artist but there are a lot more people making livings as artists now than there were a thousand years ago, there were effectively zero people making livings as artists. Dozens. Maybe. Five thousand years ago, fucking zero. Right? Because... We have no idea. You either made a living as a guy who killed other guys and stole their living, or... (laughs) Like... I don't think we have a good sense, uh, though. We probably don't, but... Somebody was making pots and decorating them, you know? What I think... What I think is that all of us on this podcast make a living doing creative work in ways that would not have even been technically possible 25 years sure. ago. Sure. And I, right? I totally agree with and, you. And like, but, uh, like, so we, we're using platforms that didn't exist. And so we are, we are filling in new niches. That's like my least favorite Super Mario Brothers level yeah. is the one with all the platforms, platforms that, that don't exist. exist. So we're filling in new niches of creative space or whatever, but, um, if we didn't have these new niches to be filling in and we were just creative dudes without these ready-made platforms for us to distribute our stuff, would we be able to get anywhere in a world where there were sort of draconian copyright laws? I mean, if we couldn't, I would argue that the correct response is, well, tough shit. Hmm. You know, it's like not everybody who wants to be an astronaut gets to be an astronaut. Eh, you know, but it's easy for me to say all this shit from my position of privilege. Yeah. No, because I'm I'm being serious about that, right? Like, I think, well, right, if it's so fucking hard to be creative nowadays because of the mean old corporations and their mean old copyrights making everything fucking impossible, like, that always reads to me like... The excuse of somebody who's just like, well, you know, I would have written my fucking masterpiece if it wasn't for fucking Disney owning everything already. And it's like, well, I'll bet maybe you wouldn't have. I'll bet that what you would have done with your time instead of bitching about this is just fucking make something. 
And if you made something that it turns out you couldn't sell because it was too close to something else, well, you practiced making something. So the next thing you make is going to be that much easier, and then maybe you'll make something that will sell. Maybe you'll get lucky the way that I did if you work hard the way that I did. Like, it's, it's like there's this expectation that the world owes you a living for whatever the thing is that you imagine that you would enjoy doing if you actually did it. Right. But people seem to skip the step where, like, you know, you have to fucking do it. Like, the thing that you say that you want to do, like, saying you want to do something is like liking something on Facebook. It is free, therefore it is fucking meaningless. And, like, yeah, man, I don't know. Is the people who are arguing with him are like game developers, which is telling, I think. Because they're actually making something. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, and, and, and Steve Gaynor made an interesting point. Like, he was glad to pay for licensing of music from the early 90s because that music was subsidized by 20-year-old music that was being paid for in the 90s, keeping the label afloat so that they could afford to take risks on those bands that the successful ones among them are now providing the capital for the label to take risks on a new thing, right? And that, I thought, was a pretty interesting way of looking at it. Like, even if the money that you're spending on this stuff doesn't go directly to the creators, what you are doing is you are creating a culture in which creative works have value. You You are casting your vote for art is worth money. Even if the money is not going to the person who made the art, it is going to the existence of that art. It is perpetuating a world in which video games are a thing that you can make money off of because video games are a thing that people are willing to pay for. I mean, that's one of the things that makes me super excited about crowdfunding and Kickstarter and whatnot, is that... Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, it's distributed. Super direct. It's distributed patronage, yeah. you know? And it's good. I think it's good. We need to set up a Patreon page for Video Games Hot Dog. Because I think it will... I think that if we saw a number, and even if it was just like, we get... We get $30 every time we deliver four episodes, right? Right. Which, that's probably attainable, given given the listeners that we have. I would take that seriously. I would take that more seriously as an obligation, I think. Interesting. Yeah, and it would just be interesting to see. I don't know if Patreon, if you can set up a Patreon for, like, a project, though. I've only ever seen it for a person. Individuals, yeah, me too. Yeah, so we'd have to see. I might have to... I might have to change my name to Video James Hot Dog. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Do you dare me no. to legally change my name to Video <laughs> James Hot Dog? I don't. I really don't. <clears throat> I think I might do it anyway. <laughs> that, that would get us some press. <laughs> I guess. Oh, sure. well, fine. You can't have any of my Patreon money. <laughs> is, is Video part of the name or is, is, uh, is it just your nickname? And James mm. is his middle name. Yeah. I guess is I hot dog is one word? Or sure. no. It's like no, my uh my my dad's last name was hot and my mother's Mexican last name was dog. So Yeah, it's pretty good. Hot dog. This is a pretty good plan, guys. Yep. <laughs> we gotta we gotta enact it before twenty years from now it just becomes fucking everybody's plan for free. <clears throat> you know, I like everybody, and I like everybody's opinions. That's that's basically where I've landed. I I think that people, you know, people are more or less pretty cool. 
which is why people are more or less like making a shitload of cool things all the time. And I would rather focus on like the cool shit that people are making than the very specific copies of cool shit that people aren't allowed to sell. And that's where I want to be. That's where I want to spend my time. Now I'll be over here making flop, floppy bird. So flop, floppy bard. This assignment, the IF Comp 2013, yeah. top three games. Coloratura, Robin Tunny? Robin and Orchid. Robin and Orchid. Robin and Williams. Uh, and Ollie Ollie Oxenfree. So I enjoyed the shit out of Coloratura. That was yeah. pretty good, yeah. I, really I played that, and then I was like, that was really good. And then Riff was like, we should do those top three as an assignment. And I was like, okay, because I am already a third of the way done with that, because Coloratura was real good. It does have that. So I think that the essential problem with the IF comp is that the community of people who vote on IF comp games is the exact same size and composition as the community of people who make IF games. And so the winners are more often than not going to be games that somehow, like, take advantage of a deep familiarity with the basic <coughs> tropes of IF and then subvert those tropes in some way. Like the Gostak or mm. the Edifice or... A game that, that manages one... to surprise all the people who are deeply and yeah. intimately that one where you're That one where you're on Mars or, like, Photopia because it was weird because it was kind of like a Twine game. Uh, hmm. But implemented in Inform, you know, in 1999 or whenever it was. Uh, no, I think it was before that. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. That was one of the first times, like, that was one of the first IF comps where I was aware of the IF comp. Hmm. Um, but it was definitely before I moved to Phoenix, because I remember the chair I was sitting in when I played Photopia and was so moved. Also, Stochastic Planet fucking rules. That's the guy that made Photopia. Um, yeah, but Coloratura, like, it is essentially, you know, I guess this is going to have to be a spoiler yeah. class, but it is essentially, it is almost a hackneyed trope. I wouldn't say Structurally at this point, but it's, it's, so it's a horror movie. It's definitely a trope. But it's from the perspective of the monster in the horror movie, which turns out to just be like a friendly, misunderstood, weird, transdimensional liquid alien guy. <laughs> it's like it's like Leviathan from the perspective of the weird water monster from the abyss, but you don't actually get to see the aliens at the end. <laughs> um, Leviathan. Yeah, Leviathan was the movie that came out around the same time as the abyss, which was just more about like a biological weapons sort of uh, Akira flesh monster taking over a submarine. Huh. Okay. Um, it Man. infected people because there was some vodka. The flesh the flesh monster scene in this game was so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What I thought it was interesting to contrast this game with Robin and Quivers, the second game, because the second game was like a an entirely set in the real world, sort of like wistful mm -hmm. look back at a church lock-in experience. Mm -hmm. And the first game was a like just total nerd bait, like research vessel unearths ancient artifact and shit goes wrong. But the first one was super story driven and the second one was super puzzle driven, which 
There was a lot of story in is that, though. The opposite of what you would expect. There was a lot of... There's a lot of backstory. Yeah, a lot of nostalgia. Right. There's not a lot of story... There's not a lot of story as story occurs okay. in the second one. There's That's just a lot fine. of, like... There's a lot of, like, filling in who the characters like are. flashback no, but, but style. It, it is fine, but what I'm saying is, like, the experience of playing... Uh, Robin... Robin and, and Robin, Gold, Robin and Goldwasser. I, I'm, I'm trying to name Robins that I'm aware of. Uh, just let me have my dumb joke that sure, I keep fucking Sure, sure. So, well, no, it's... it's the just, experience I'm, I'm speaking it. to all the people that are annoyed about us never mentioning the names of things. But the name of this is the top three games in the IF Comp 2013, okay. available via a link at videogameshotdog.com. And when that is not the current episode anymore, you can click that link that says all episodes and that will take you to a page List. that I I painstakingly created this web page that lists like all the assignments that we've done and people are like I wish you would give me a list of all the assignments and I was like but I did and I worked really hard on it and it has a div with a scroll bar in it <laughs> so it doesn't break the layout nice uh, I had to learn how I had to learn I had to use some CSS I hate it when I have to use CSS yeah that's rough anyway playing yeah. Uh, Ra, Rob, Robin. The but I would argue that Leech? there isn't a ton. Of, ah, Robin and Leech. There you go. There isn't a ton of story in Coloratura. A I lot more there. happens in Coloratura. Like, huh? That's that. What? This is. I think the problem here is the stuff that we think of. The stuff that I think of as story is not anything like what anyone else means when they use the word story, <laughs> right? Because the the state of the stuff that was going on in the world mm-hmm. from the beginning of Coloratura to the end of Coloratura dramatically changed. Like... Like a bunch of things happened. Ruined, okay. lots of people killed. Ah, I see. So like a story for you where it's just like a conversation where like nothing really changes except for some of the exchange of ideas, is that's like not a story. I don't it's really like two think, dudes yeah, I mean, talk. Yeah, like that's a scene. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay, this is being I'm like getting more insight into your notion of like <laughs> what what narrative is. Wait, see, this is why I don't think of KOL as having much of a story, because almost nothing changes as a result of your actions in KOL, uh, like nothing changes as a result of actions in MMOs I in see. general. Like, World of Warcraft doesn't really have a story in wow. my mind. Okay. It has, yeah, it has okay. like a history. You just don't understand what a story is. I just don't is. understand what a story is. A story okay. has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and if the end is the same thing as the beginning, then that was not a story. Okay. You're, you, it's not like a you beginning, do not consider, end, a middle, and a You do not consider a, a revelation... That changes somebody's worldview as actually being a different thing because the person is still the same. They haven't, like, tattooed themselves and built a boat or something, right? (laughs) Okay, but if you walk into somebody's apartment and you're like, hey, that smells good. What are you cooking? And they're like, nothing. I just took a huge dump. That's not a sto- That's an anecdote. Okay. Right? You just right. learned something that changed your perspective (laughs) about what was going on in the scene. But, like... Uh. <laughs> so I would argue that they both had around the same number of actual events and things that 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 happen. It's just the the sort of like stakes and dramatic scope of Coloratura were much higher. But it was also all of the mechanics of Coloratura 
served to like the the state changed notably of what the world was like based on everything that you did. You were moving from like chrono like you were moving through time in coloratura in a way that you were really only moving through space in uh, Robin and Gibbons. Uh, right? Like, the, the most of the actions that you took in the church game were just like setting shit on top of other shit in the right way so that you would have somewhere to stand. Uh, bullshit puzzle. To do something. Yeah, yeah no, oh. I just, at a certain point, I like at a certain point, puzzle. I just started. I thought it was super annoying. I would explore the space that was available to me and then I would just look at the walkthrough. Something that I thought was really impressive was the dynamic walkthrough mm-hmm. system. Dynamic walkthrough. If you type walkthrough, it will just tell you exactly what you need to do from wherever point you are. Huh. Like it will generate like which thinking about this, it's like not a super hard computer science problem. Like there are some there are some basic like game state checking to figure out like what you probably are trying to do right now. But like everything that you're trying to do is just solve a puzzle, solve a puzzle, solve a puzzle in a way that I didn't feel like that was really what was happening in coloratura wow i i totally did like i was like okay now i know like they're like pretty explicit about it too it's yeah, like it was pretty step by step in coloratura yeah it's like if only there was some way that you could convince her to do this thing right which is why i don't feel like that's really a puzzle right like it was a thi- like that coloratura tried very hard to help you move the story along okay but you don't think that you don't consider those puzzles well, I mean, I think that a, a a question that has its answer embedded in the question is less of a puzzle than a question that doesn't, right? And a question that presents itself... The fact that it gave you hints? And then no matter what you... But it, it was hints. It didn't give you No, it hints. did. It did give you hints. It, it, it only but, said those things if you had spent a couple turns in the location. Right, but it... Without doing what you're supposed to do. That's what I mean by it was hints. It... They had hints in them, built as opposed built to like into it. But I mean, the cat—the cat was also a hint in uh, Robin and Batman. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, I guess I guess that's true. Right. I just, like, I, I really there was liked more, the cat. Actually, that was, there, I was more stu- there was more stuff in sp- the second game. I spent felt- a lot of time in the pipe room because of that fucking cat. Oh yeah, because the first time. Yeah, that was weird because it it appears the once and takes you there but is that just a red herring to let you know I think that it, this cat exists I think that's where it disappears I think it always takes you to the next thing that you're supposed to do and then because it can't just disappear it like walks back to oh, the pipe room and okay. then behind a set of pipes okay. so it like always just right, goes because there the pipe room is described as being a place that has places where you can't yeah. so, okay this is this is why I feel like Coloratura is more interested in the story than in the puzzles contrasting with, with, with Robin and, and Orchid. I was trying to get the real name of it that time and I couldn't <laughs> fucking think of it. If, if what you need in Coloratura is to hide from people who are coming into the room, yeah. the way that you do that is by typing the word hide. Yeah. And it is not like, well, you didn't say where you wanted to hide because you didn't read the text carefully enough, so fuck you. You got caught game over. It yeah. was just like, all right, you hide. Because that's what the story needs right now is yeah. for you to hide from these people. Sure, right? I like, appreciated that. Yeah, I definitely appreciated absolutely. that. Like it, Coloratura moved itself along 
because what it was more interested in doing was telling the story that it was telling than in challenging you as a player to figure out the Byzantine set of steps necessary so, for you to reach the goal that it has arbitrarily decided. There as were goal like there were two major realizations, two major tools that I I enjoyed getting to, but but I felt like they were basically puzzles. One was the ability to color people's mm-hmm. like auras or whatever, and the other one was to take control of them. Like, and unless I'm wrong, you, you're never explicitly told that you can do those things. That you're just sort of strongly hinted at yeah you just you kind of learn it by context yeah and i thought that i thought that was really great yeah like that was super super well done but those were still basically puzzles right like i mean i it's like learning that there's a verb that you need to use and you're like oh okay well now i but can I do don't this. think that anyone plays that game and doesn't learn that right like i don't I think you could probably get stuck and not realize what you're supposed to do. I think that the game works really hard to teach you those things, no matter how obtuse you're being about it. Which is <laughs> which is the whole... I mean, that's my whole thesis here, is that Coloratura is a game that is interested in telling you a story and will show you yeah. the things that you need to do in order to do it. And then if showing you is not enough, it will tell you if it has to. I'm curious in... Um, in Robin, I fucked it up so much that you can't even think of the name. <laughs> of it no, in Robin and Orchid, if uh, do you need to do the stacking thing, or can you just once you've got the crook, can you just go to the end and be done? You know, I'm not sure because um, like there's no score. If it were yeah. a different game, a sort of game that would score you for taking taking pictures the of right all pictures. this evidence. Yeah. Then, then yeah, that would be a thing because you need to do the stacking puzzle to be able to get in range of that can to photograph it. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, does photographing it advance the story somehow? That's it, what I don't know. The yeah, other thing I mean, about the other thing about that game is that it seemed like there were a lot of real non sequitur game state changes that were not at all like what? spelled <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, like like what? Every time the walkthrough told me that I was supposed to be doing something, I was like, "What?" Well, okay, so you're using. Uh, so I didn't use a walkthrough at all, so I don't know that I encountered. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, did you take a picture of the glistening jar? Yeah. The the is that that's the thing that's up on yeah. the shelf, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But I I mean I don't think that. I did that. I don't know why that was part of the plot though, because like maybe I, it's possible that if you don't do that and you go up to the steeple that. I, so at a certain point, you are allowed to go up the stairs, and it does not tell you. What do you mean you're allowed to go up the when stairs? When the game starts, you are not. You cannot go up the stairs. Oh, I didn't even try. Right. So okay, but I missed an exit. So the whole western side of the basement, I didn't know it was there. Okay. At first, and it took me a long time to find it. The first time I consulted the walkthrough, the thing that I hadn't figured out was that I was supposed to go up those stairs. That. It had said that I couldn't go up until I was done investigating down here. And the way that I found out that I was done investigating down there is when I hit the walkthrough command and it told me that I was done investigating down here. Right? Because apparently my goal was to find and photograph some ectoplasm. Right? And it's like, I can see how you could say, well, this is a game about investigating a ghost in a church. Yeah. So once you've found some evidence of a ghost in the basement... 
you're done investigating, and so you can do the thing that it said you shouldn't do this until you're done investigating down here. But the game doesn't tell you that now you can go up the stairs. And photographing some ectoplasm does not unlock a goddamn stairway in any logical way that you can comprehend. Okay, so... So, like... But you are... So, like, you've been told that you should explore the basement and go upstairs. I didn't take a picture of ectoplasm before I went upstairs. So I took a picture of some lights at the end of a hallway. Like, I had some evidence of a ghost, maybe. My understanding is that you cannot go up the stairs until you have found the ectoplasm. I, I had some ectoplasm on my hand. Sure, okay. So maybe you didn't have to photograph it. But, you know, in fact, you can't put it in the jar or whatever and photograph it until you get upstairs. But basically, okay, so then re- rewind. Let me yeah. amend my statement to say... Getting some fucking ectoplasm on your hand does not unlock a goddamn stairway. Well, uh, and it doesn't tell you, but it says a million things about the ectoplasm, except I should go upstairs and show this to. Okay, but what it it does, I mean, I'm, I didn't ever try to go up the stairs without having explored the basement, but if you try to go upstairs, it says you haven't fully explored the basement yet. So there are, there are places that you haven't seen. Yeah, but that continues to be the case when the stairway uh, opens up because you have to go upstairs to be able to go back down and turn on the fucking lights in the other half well, of the basement. But so there are significant chunks of the basement that have, you can't explore. You can't have explored that hallway, the dark hallway, without having ectoplasm on your hand, I don't think. Right, but you can't comprehensively explore it until you've gone back upstairs. Well, like, sure, but... My, like, my only point is that the game state changed in a way that doesn't make any logical sense and that it doesn't tell you about, which is the classic fucking honey-on-the-cat-hair problem of adventure games, and it is it, it made this thing super frustrating to me, and it was like, well, fuck this game. This game does not care about my time or my experience, this game is just presenting a series of bullshit puzzles with some cool flavor, so I'm going to keep playing it and I'm going to keep reading about stuff and I'm going to keep consulting the notes about stuff, but I am, anytime I don't know what to do, I am going to look at a walkthrough to see what crazy confusing shit that I would never in a million years have thought of, this fucking batshit random collection of puzzles wants me to do next. Huh. That's that is not at all my experience. Yeah, no, me neither. You're being surprisingly vicious about it. Well, no, I mean it's just like uh, like every time I, mean, I, I encounter something that was... happened to me, and it didn't like it did not strike you as weird that the key to the door that was the stairway because was we getting some ectoplasm on your hands. Well, but because we didn't like we did not yeah, try to go up the stairs until we had explored the fucking basement, which is yeah. what we were supposed to do. And so, like, I had I had comprehensively explored the basement. I was like, well, I guess it's time to go upstairs. And okay, like, it except was just- that, except that you could, by visiting fewer rooms in the basement than I had at that point, yeah, have been able to go up the stairs because it's not about exploring the basement. It's about Are you sure? finding some ectoplasm. Yeah, yeah. It, you can just go from that room. You can avoid the. You can avoid all of the rooms in between. I guess maybe. It's like, not tracking your... You t- can make go sure up the stairs without every... having gone to the blacklight room. Is that you true? Can, I think so. Well, because like, maybe maybe the goal of of getting upstairs is to have been in every room, and the thing that you hadn't done was gone down the black the dark stairwell or whatever. I, I don't I don't know. I'm just like I'm I'm positing this because fuck if I know. I you know sure. Like the I, I found the stacking puzzle annoying just because 
every single thing I tried was like, oh, you can't do that. And the, having the had commands listed in the walkthrough resulted in parser ambiguities. So, oh yeah, yeah, because it like if you say pick up plywood Noah's Ark, it will say, "Do you mean the plywood Noah's Ark or the plywood Ark of the Covenant?" But if you said pick up Noah's, Noah's Ark, Ark, it would say you pick up Noah's Ark. Yeah. So it was like adding extra detail oh, to it. That's funny. Which is what it tells you in the walkthrough that's to do. It creates a situation where it doesn't work, and so then the rest of it. It's handy too because in Gargoyle you can just you know it'll it'll generate a, just a single line that is a list of the commands. For you just movement. click on something. You copy and paste it, paste the whole thing into the parser window, and then the oh. game just the game just plays itself. Huh. <laughs> That's funny. So I essentially watched a let's play of this game because I am essentially the riff <laughs> on this podcast. Um, I spent a lot of time trying to get to stack things on top of other things and just open the uh, the hatch without a tool. Oh really. Yeah, because I, I mean, I had the I had that box, the orange crate. So I tried like putting the the bird cage on it and, st- and climbing on that, but it won't let you. And I was like, okay, so I need more boxes. And so I got to the storage room and I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna have to carry these boxes upstairs. And that was just totally not what I needed to do. Uh, yeah, I just took the Ark of the Covenant up there and stood on that. Up to the to the to the balcony, yeah. Oh, huh. That's what the walkthrough says. Oh, I just took the I took the the orange crate from the kitchen, flip it upside down, and then you can stand on that. Oh, oh wow! I didn't. It even, didn't occur I didn't to me that the, the game state crate. would have an upside down. Try. You have to like you have to look at it carefully to see that it's an orange crate. It's in the description. It's like a food bank box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying the can. None of the cans in there ever were useful for anything. Which I I thought that was kind of cool that the can opener. Which is effectively a key for something else, or at least I, that's what I use as a key for something else. Uh, like that's how I got the, oh, the panel to open. So with the can. Oh, opener. you can just open it with your hand. I tried a bunch of shit and could you not have to get look it. it up. You have to look up the panel in the notes. I did to then know I just, how to. I I I tried you type slide panel and it opens. Oh, oh wow! No, I see, tried I, it open with the can I tried opener. pulling huh. it and that didn't work, so I tried pushing it and that works. I I tried pushing it huh. a dozen times, and but I happened. bet Riff looked it up. No, huh? Uh, you didn't look it up in the notes. Nope. I uh, I actually sadly well, uh, that was the one thing it, that wasn't it, a fucking it, puzzle. It didn't occur to me to uh, <laughs> to look up most of the things that I ran into. Yeah, I look up a panel. And it's like, and you you find it in the notes, and it's like it slides open, but you have to push up a little bit. Mm. before you can do it. And then I typed slide panel, and it said, now that you know how to do oh, it, it's easy. Did um, did you guys look up... The, the first thing I looked up in the notebook was the painting. Yeah. That was the very first thing I looked and up. I and I was, and that's like, when I looked sure at you, you and I was like, it? have you played this game yeah. before? Is everything going to be like this? Because no fucking way am I going to play this if there's like 80 pages of exposition. <laughs> I, really liked, I really liked all the writing. In the I did notebook. too. The I notebook thought it was, was great. Like... That was like that was like something we would write. Yes, it it is. It's not as uh, funny as most of Ryan Veter's other stuff. Like if you have ever played a uh, Taco Fiction, that's a really good one. So I suspect is, that that Emily Bro- Brogheim uh, did more of the writing, but I don't I don't know if that's true or is, not. Is is Robin the guy that Jenny is doing that IF podcast with? Uh, that's Ryan Veter. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, did I say Robin? Yeah. God damn yeah. it. <laughs> Sorry, you're ruined Broke at this point. I because I, when it was it was interesting to like I thought maybe it was, but then I looked on his website and it didn't say anything about a podcast. I'm like, oh, it must not be. It, the setting, the setting was weird to me. Like the I church, have, I have always or? felt really uncomfortable in churches. Hmm. 
And I, like there, were you ever in a? You were never in a youth group or anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I was in like Sunday school. Like I was in Sunday school as a as a real little kid. But like when it when it got to the point where I actually would have started doing, you know that that kind of activity. Like by the time there would have been like a. I don't know. There was probably a youth pastor assigned to me, but like Sunday school was just fucking like, you know, make this make a sponge that says Jesus, like paint it, and then <laughs> unfolds into a larger painted sponge that says Jesus. It's like what it was like arts and crafts, you know. It was like just not like the kind of stuff that like a little kid would do because mm-hmm. it's a little kid. But like, it got to the point where it's like once I was once I was old enough that it would have made any sense for me to be at a lock-in. I was like, no, not, no, I'm not going to church. The idea of a lock-in was always so, like, creepy. It is a little weird. To me. Yep. It's like, well, we're just going to have a little cult prison sleepover. (laughs) Everybody send your kids over. And, I mean, looking at it now, it's like so Josh's parents could fuck. Like, (laughs) of course, of course they're going to do that. This is a, like, this is a thing where you can, your kids are gone all night, and they are with someone you trust. So you can have some good old, within a marital union, Jesus-approved, God-fearing sex on the living room floor, because that is a service that the church is providing to you. And in that context, it makes a ton of sense that a lock-in would be a thing. Like, because you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about temptation. Although I have to imagine that there there was a lot of shady goings-on at a lock-in. There's a lot of weird rooms in a church that what the fuck is this room for? The Narthex. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, man, have you heard Narthex's new album? It's, <laughs> it's super good. I'm I was super glad that all of those samples are in the public domain so that he can just reassemble them into some sweet, sweet dubstep for us. Yeah, my, my, my least favorite part of the game was when the Narthex sank into the swamp. <laughs> Seriously, though, a church is weird. <laughs> it is weird. Churches are weird because it's some space that you don't know. Like, there's all these rooms, and it's like, what is this room? It's like a room in a church. You can go to a kitchen, and you're like, well, this has a sink and a toilet in it. It must be a kitchen. Um, but then there's like, well, okay, this room has like a chair. So what's what's that? This room has like 30 chairs in it. What's that? So this is where they have the AA meetings, right? Because that's the thing. There's a bunch of rooms in a Fellowship church. Hall. There's a bunch of rooms in a church that are rooms that they like rent out for they're community ge- they're events. They're general and stuff purpose rooms, like, yeah. Right, but what is a general purpose room? What do you like? You're like nine years old, and you go into a room. You don't have a concept of like, oh, this is a room where like, you know, people who almost drank themselves to death, but then a judge made them stop, come and tell everybody their names. Like you don't. You don't know that. You can't you can't imagine a set of circumstances under which some organization of adults would need a room for something for one night and so they would rent it and what they would go to is a preacher to see if they could use one of the rooms in his building. Whose fucking building is that? Who owns a church? It's weird. Like what <laughs> I, I don't even know what we're talking about anymore. Churches are weird, and it's weird to be in a church. Is it, is it, and a school isn't weird? A school is owned probably by the government. Okay. Right, so, so but like, there when you're a much, kid, like, do you distinguish between a church and the government? Well, like, you don't so, fucking know or care, like. 
it, it's it's all ambiguous and strange. Like they're just weird buildings with a bunch of general purpose rooms, right? Like, I don't think some so. Of like, like some of them have desks, and some of them are phone. A phone company office is a building that is kind of like a church, but with fewer, like maybe one fewer cross on it. But you can look at that and you think, oh, whose building is that? Oh, it's the phone company's building. So you can imagine, like, oh, okay, so guys who work for the phone company go there. But okay. a church, it's like, all right, well, I know it's my the grandparents. Churches. Uh, my grandparents go there on Sunday. But then it's empty most of the time and abandoned. But does the preacher, does the preacher live there? Sometimes. Is that, and so, okay, so then none of these doors are locked or even closed when you get bored with whatever dumb shit you're at at a church and decide to just wander around. The pastor's office And wonder what all the other rooms are. And you, you don't know if you're allowed to be there or not. Can you That's get into the pastor's the office? Can you what? Get into the pastor's office? I don't know. I didn't the, try. Um, it's none the, of my business. The thing at the end that's like interesting things to try seemed to indicate that you could, but I didn't yeah. bother going back and trying. I, I didn't. I couldn't find a key, so I, I gave up. So we also had a third game, Ollie Ollie Oxenfree, which yeah. takes place in a that's school. That's about a school. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was. I was trying to segue. I messed with it a little bit, but I was like, ah, this this is one of those games like Suspended, where mm-hmm. it is much more interesting to imagine the ways in which this would yeah. play event. Yeah, plan. yeah. I, I like, played it for about an hour, and, and then I like looked you were stuff up. Mad. It just so many things were like just not using verbs that I feel like it should have recognized. The parser was the parser was stretched a little bit to do this one. I think. Yeah, there was there was. They did an interesting thing with the hints and walkthroughs where you could, you know, get yeah. the individual walkthroughs for the individual characters. But then, like, I, I, uh, where, where I eventually stopped was, like, I found one character, I forget which kid it was, and said, all right, what's the walkthrough for this kid? And the first part of that walkthrough assumed me starting in like like the first thing in the walkthrough was go to the coach's office and get such and such but the coach's oh, the office is locked and i didn't know how to get in there so this walkthrough is useless <laughs> and yeah i don't know it was interesting but i i i uh the the story and tone of it was not fun enough to me to wrestle long enough in it to see if they did anything really interesting with with the systems you know the fact that you that your primary sort of actions were through the kids because they were the only ones yeah. that could that's that's kind of deeply cool. interact with the world it's cool in theory i don't know that yeah, it's ex- i don't know that it's I mean. fun in practice it's frustrating I mean, in practice when i when i re- like the things that made me think, oh, okay, I get what they're doing here, but I don't want to play this, is, mm-hmm. like, I played for, like, two minutes. But I found the first girl. I got her out of the closet. I tried to hold her hand when it told me that if you want her to go with you somewhere, you have to hold her hand. I couldn't hold her hand because she had something in each hand. I was right. like, you have her drop uh, stuff. Okay. I'm going to go find somebody else. I found somebody else. I realized that I needed to make a splint. For yep. that girl's leg, yep. that I needed the yardstick from the other room. Yep. I went to try to pick up the yardstick, and it was like you're too weak to pick up the yardstick. And I was you like, actually, that's not what you okay. use the yardstick for. But yeah. oh yeah, no. Well, that was what I assumed it was for. No. But then I was like, okay, well, I don't remember. The yardstick what. was for the bunny. 
I don't remember what I that. You want the lacrosse stick? I think for it's the, I think for it's for both those things, isn't it? You you splint. Use the you well oh, according the, to the walkthrough anyway. You splint her leg with by br- breaking the yardstick and using that for oh. splints. Well, so then you have to do that in the right order because you have to. Yeah, I don't know what would happen if you did the, it the wrong way around for the rabbit. And the lacrosse yeah. stick is like for a crutch. This is an interestingly designed thing, and yeah. I think you know there's some there's some. There's some stuff at the very end which is cool, but I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't who don't play through it. It's it is potentially worth playing through if you you have make liberal use of the walkthroughs. This the story is is pretty good. It was very vividly described. The, yeah. the opening sequence was like, oh wow, this is super intense, harrowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I really wasn't in the mood for a story that grim. I'm glad that I'm glad that. I, I am just always super glad when I play IF because it is people are doing such cool, interesting things with it. You know, yep. yeah, such great stories. Next week's assignment, yeah, is Riff Republic. Republic, yep. There's uh, did real well in Kickstarter, and now they are pushing out the uh, you know the chapters one at a time onto iOS. So it is not a finished game. Is that how it works, or it is? is it- uh, well, I I think they're just they're going you know chapter by chapter the way a Telltale Games game does. I see. Well, at this point, we are uh, both too hot for TV and I think too long for listeners' mail. So uh, plus, if we're here for another two hours, Kevin has to eat his hat. It's true. <laughs> uh, so I think it's time for us to call episode one forty a night. And, uh, Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us a listener's mail, how would they go about doing that? Well, they could tweet us at VGHotDog. They could email us, VGHotDog at gmail.com. Or they could check out our uh, website, VideoGamesHotDog.com. There's an awesome web form where uh, you can submit questions to us on there and uh, also uh, ads for Russian brides. Yeah, a lot of spam. Uh, check hashing spam. Somebody just submitted the word video. In, cool. Uh, in that, that was a, that was another sign that I should change my name to Video James Hot Dog. Yeah. Oh, they were yeah they were calling you out. Mm. They could hear you from here, gentlemen. I've had an excellent time recording this episode of Video Games Hot Dog with y'all. Yep, yep. It's been lovely. And listeners, until next time, <laughs> keep your feet on the floor, your butt in a chair, and your hands on your fingers. Yep, subscribe uh, subscribe to our magazine. <laughs> good good night. Have a great week everybody. My dad went to uh went to college with Connie Chung. Oh yeah? Yeah. Not so much he went to college with her, but she was at the same college at the same time as he was. So I guess that's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs>